0: Hello and welcome to the Currency Exchange, West Markets podcast, where we focus on the currency markets and the major themes and events driving them this week and the week beyond. Today, I'm joined by Paul Robson, who is our co-head of G10FX. Well, this week was definitely not going to be a boring one, but it actually looked like concerns over banking sector turmoil could actually steal the limelight from key policy decisions. We have both the US Federal Reserve and the ECB making uh, decisions this week. But first, let's look ahead to next week where we've got the Bank of England who will be uh, following in their footsteps. Paul, I've got to ask you, do you think that they will um, kind of echo what we've seen from the ECB and the Fed and kind of, I guess, do a dovish hike?
1: Well, we think they're going to match the hike that we got from the ECB and the the Fed. So a a quarter point um, hike. Um, in terms of the uh, vote count around that, we think it's going to be 72. So there are going to be a couple of dissenters, we think, for unchanged rates, but that's not necessarily uh, new information. Um, of course, as you quite rightly pointed out, it's about the guidance, is it, isn't it? It's about whether you get a hawkish hike or a, a dovish uh, hike. And, you know, central banks are uh, coming around to the idea that we're very close to um, terminal rates in the the major uh, economies. The problem with the guidance at the moment is I think central banks are, are struggling a little bit. You had uh, the Ritz Bank recently that was super hawkish and then turned dovish. You had the RBA who was dovish and then surprised um, some people in the market with a, a rate hike. But in, in terms of that guidance, if we think about the data that we've had over the last month or so, we've had higher than expected Uh, Inflation. We had some strong uh, wage data, Uh, and some of the activity data has been pretty strong as well. So, for example, uh, today's service sector uh, PMIs were stronger than expected on a a revision, um, and that continues the recent theme of stronger than expected data. And you know, I think that the Bank of England will be a little bit surprised by uh, the strength of the data. So, I think that sort of leans against some sort of. definitive uh, move to dubbish uh, guidance at this uh, meeting, but the bank has made it clear that they agree with our uh, in-house economist, Ross Walker, about the pass-through from the tightening that's already been seen to the household sector is only really partially um, been seen on the economy. So uh, Ross thinks about 20% of the sort of impact uh, that we're ultimately going to get has been uh, seen. So they'll be confident that further out, the activity data slow, inflation come down. uh, And that probably means that they turn a little bit more sort of symmetrical in in their guidance that, you know, rates might still go up. But equally, we are getting to a, a turning point in in
0: rates. Some more pain, unfortunately, in the pipeline for us here in the UK. Um, I guess, what does Sterling react to on this announcement? As you said, kind of a juggish hike. Are they expecting a change in guidance or what's kind of the trigger for the Sterling reaction function going into this?
1: Well, it feels actually on the day it will play a little bit negative uh, for the, the currency. Uh, markets have got about 75 basis points of uh, tightening before you hit that terminal uh, rate and our own personal expectation is where we get another 25 and essentially they're done they're, you know there is a risk that they they follow up with a second um, over coming months but uh, given what markets are pricing um that should play negative and the other important thing to uh, note is that sterling's actually been tracking interest rates really a lot more closely than it was doing at the back end of uh, last year so both uh, euro sterling Suggests it should be a little bit lower. Uh, sterling dollar should be a little bit um, higher on rate spreads. But if you get this dovish uh, hike, I think that does lean against market expectations and plays uh, a little bit uh, more negatively for the the currency. Uh, longer term, uh, there's some other important uh, drivers that we think we're going to dominate rather than monetary. Manage-
0: I know you always kind of mention the dogs that haven't barked, but to recount your list. And um, what are those kind of big long-term drivers for sterling? And what is it not reacting to or reacting to?
1: Well, I think some of the story that we've been talking about over the last sort of six months, when we published our year ahead all the way back in sort of mid-November, are being sort of better priced in in sterling. So the uh, the UK economy outlook isn't as bad as feared, uh, I think, is a better understood uh, story. I, I still think we've got a little bit to go in that that story. I still get quite a lot of pushback from my slightly more optimistic view of the economy. Not that the, the baseline for the economy is particularly good, but the, the delta on expectations, the change in expectations is very positive because expectations were so Uh, poor. So I think that's still got a little bit further to go. So for example, when we came into the beginning of the year, the market expectation was for the economy to contract a whole percentage point. Just looking at the numbers recently, uh, it's just now just a couple of tenths of 1% uh, expected decline in GDP this year. I think that ultimately that go a little bit higher. Um, but in terms of the dogs that haven't barked that you uh, quite rightly mentioned, there is quite a lot, long list of them, and you know, I I sometimes forget some of them, so I have to to write them uh, down so I can remind myself of them. But you know, just very briefly, things like you know, people are worried about um, energy blackouts um, during the winter uh, and into the spring. That's just not uh, really looks like it's going to happen now. Energy prices have fallen. People worried about storage levels of. Uh, energy in the UK that doesn't seem to be uh, an issue anymore EU trade war fears um, with the Northern Ireland protocol uh, being agreed the Windsor uh, agreement that's off the agenda Scottish referendum current account funding worries well the current account looks like it's uh, narrowing because energy prices are coming lower you've got this switch from goods to services we don't think that's going to be a dog that's going to bark we haven't really had much turmoil In uh, the gilt market, bond market, some people are a little bit uh, fearful uh, of that. Um, Housing market, well, that seems to have held up uh, relatively well as well. And even the shortage of tomatoes uh, looks to have baited in recent weeks. So uh, from my side, you know, these dogs um, that haven't barked, the risk premium in selling assets, including the currency, just needs to be reduced a little bit further. But as I say, it's a, a better understood story. Uh, but we still think that um, sterling dollar in particular uh, has upside.
0: I love that poll. So it could have been a lot worse. At like, least so you have tomatoes in their sandwiches here in the UK. Um, I've got to also ask you about the US Fed. So they did kind of deliver a dovish hike, or certainly that's how the dollar took it. Does it reinforce our kind of um, long-term downtrend view for the dollar?
1: Yeah, we think so. I mean, we our views haven't changed through that, FOMC uh, meeting, um, they you know they raised rates, but I, I think the the guidance around that was um, relatively uh, dovish, and it placed this idea that the U.S. economy is just becoming a little bit uh, less exceptional. We keep talking about this, but in terms of relative growth, relative interest rates, there's less support for the the dollar here, and valuations are, are quite high. So the FOMC decided to take the reference out to future. Uh, tightening uh, Powell in the press conference was a little bit more um, hawkish than that he was talking about uh, inflation and, and maybe needing to do more to get in inflation down but it, it feels like the fed is uh, done and, and in fact our economists have changed their call and they think that interest rates could be coming lower by at uh, the end of the year so they've put in a 50 basis point cut um, in, you know, in 25 basis point increments by the big uh, Uh, end of the year, having brought that in from uh, the start of uh, next year. Um, But I think the the important dynamic and the driver for the dollar that we now need to focus on is just relative credit conditions. And in your opening comments, you mentioned uh, banking sector sort of instability. Uh, Whatever you think that's the impact of that is going to be in the UK and Europe and even Asia, it's going to be multiples of that in the US. So this tightening of lending. And if I think about the US or most economies, you know, growth and employment tends to be driven by small and medium-sized enterprises. And the US regional banking sector sort of plays very important part in that. And if that transmission or that lending channel is somehow um, damaged, uh, then growth expectations continue will continue to weaken. And I think that that plays negative for the dollar. Because when we think about what drove the dollar higher last year, it was about this exceptionism in terms of growth and the Fed tightening, outpacing most other central banks. And that's just not going to be the case, we think, uh, for this year. So to answer your question very uh, succinctly, yeah, we think that not, not a lot has
0: changed. And
1: we think the dollar continues to to head lower, most obviously against European uh, currencies.
0: I guess on that note, we have just had the ECB that also seemed to deliver a dovish um, uh, rate high twenty-five basis points, and the euro was initially trading lower. Um, you know, how do you see that factoring into the euro? Do you think you know monetary policy divergence is still the biggest factor uh, driving European currencies?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the outperformance of European currencies, it has been interesting. I think it should be seen separate from the sort of general move in the dollar. It's been very interesting to see that sterling dollar, sterling um, sorry, euro dollar has moved higher, while quite a lot of the dollar, other dollar exchange rates haven't really moved. So you've had this outperformance. Um, I was actually noticing one of your currencies. I was looking at the Polish Slotty uh, and seeing against the Korean one, it's sort of done 10 percent in a couple of, uh, months so um, I know that uh, EM tends to be a little bit more volatile than uh, G10, but it just I think that just highlights the extent to which European currencies um, have been uh, priced higher. Now a large part of that we think is the the energy story in Europe. We've been talking about this, but I think it it continues to be an important driver. Energy prices coming lower, growth expectations stronger, cost of living crisis. Uh, a little bit uh, less of an issue uh, in Europe. And Europe was always front and centre, always expected to be impacted more than other regions. And as energy prices have come lower, uh, the currency has done uh, relatively well. Uh, For the ECB, as you say, we're recording this uh, while the press conference is going on. So we haven't heard the sort of the nuances, but it just seemed to be that uh, the ECB was hinting at a, a sort of a further rate hike uh, next month they were talking about um, future moves in policy providing um, policy to be restrictive enough to get inflation lower which when you think about future seem to be pointing to some other policy and I don't know whether it was another classic ECB about balancing the doves who wanted 25 the hawks wanted 50 so you give the market twenty five, but you sort of hint that you could do another uh, twenty five. Um, but I think for euro dollar, it's about the the cumulative move in rates that we've had over the last couple of months, which is important. So if I look at my charts, look at the relationship between interest rate spreads between the euro area and the US um, and euro dollar, it, it suggests that euro dollar should already be trading at uh, one seventeen. So. Uh, we're quite comfortable with our view that euro dollar uh, ultimately uh, gets to uh, one uh, fifteen at least. Um, just one final point on this sort of euro outperformance. Only time will tell if there's something else going on. So we think it's rate spreads. We think it's relative growth. We think it's energy. But whether it's something a little bit more durable, for example, reserve, Um, allocation moves and there's not a lot in the IMF uh, COFA data at the moment suggests that but only time will tell whether uh, there was this uh, move as well Uh, and also about the the move from sort of negative rates to positive rates whether we're just seeing a rebalancing of capital away from the US and Asia back into Europe and that that's supporting uh, the euro so watch this space in terms of the drivers of uh, the euro but as I say uh, still very much behind the idea of uh, euro dollar upside should be favoured.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot of different drivers. I know definitely in my space we've seen significant uh, correction, the current account uh, surplus, um, which is one of, kind of the big reasons why we're calling for a uh, published outperformance. But guys, it's about all we have time for for this week's episode of the Currency Exchange. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Um, If you did like the podcast, please do click like and remember to subscribe so you get the latest episode first. Thanks again for joining us.